This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. We often lift the curtain here on Spooko, and it's a weekly podcast, and it comes out regularly weekly on sort of early Monday morning Australian time. And I think we're pretty proud of that regular weekly output. 100%. And I think we also give the impression that we record one each week, which is certainly true often. Mm. Often we'll be really in the rhythm of current events and sort of current affairs and, you know, we'll get a week on week on week on week type, type rhythm going. Peach, what's the legal term for something that's mostly true? Mostly true? Uh, I think there is something, I think there's a defense in defamation called like substantive truth or yeah. something. Like it's not, like most of the time you'd be right. There's this case called Polypec in defamation <laughs> law, right? And um, there's this article written that it's like, Shag uh, is an adulterer. He slept with A, person A, person B, person C, person D, person E, person F. And then you sue me to say, you fucking liar. I never slept with person D. <laughs> <laughs> and so my defense is sometimes called the polypec defense where like I say, oh, well, no, the whole common sting, the common sting is not you slept, like it's not seven different things. It's one thing that you're an adulterer and that's substantially true. Does that make sense? And did that person... Yeah, you fucking go down. Yeah, so right, the, gotcha. like the adulterer goes down. Like, how dare you say I'm with person <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, and, and that, is, that is true, but we have had a flurry of creativity over one weekend. Ugh. Thanks to Adele. Thanks to Adele's mum, Julie, in a beautiful town in uh, regional New South Wales, which is the state where Sydney's in. It's been magic. And um, I don't want to compare it to like batch cooking on a Sunday afternoon, but there's an, there's an element of like we've done oh so many Oh my God, things. we have batch cooked Spooko and the Nightmare Method. It's, it, it's in the can. Which I, think's, uh, <laughs> like, I think that's a proper creative person expression for like, we've already done that. Never used it in my life, but yes. It's in the fucking I reckon can. If, we were in fil- if we were actually in film and not in podcast, recapping film we'd say it all the time i'd put so much shit in the can (laughs) and so that means there are elements of our weekend of creativity that remain seared in our brain and shag i I can conjure up a laugh thinking about the final episode of the nightmare method which you probably won't be able to hear yet as you listen to this but just keep your ear out for where Shag, I do think cack yourself sounds like shitting your pants sometimes yes, when yes. it actually means laughing, right? And I, I, I think it's I think that is a uniquely Australian phrase. I don't yeah. think anywhere outside of Australia anyone say, would say I, I, cacked, I myself. cacked myself, which yeah. literally means I laughed really hard. But I think we both cacked ourselves and I, <laughs> and I got to the point where I'm like, this hurts. Am I ever going to stop laughing? We were both crying. <laughs> I saw tears in your eyes. And for the rest of the recording of the final episode of The Nightmare Method, your eyes were red. Yeah. They were puffy and red. 
and and i've got to say i've got to say here's like a weird yeah. life hack and we are not a live your life in a certain way you yeah do we're whatever. not a batch cooking you, yeah, 5 you, club you do whatever the fuck you want in yeah. your life but a fun thing to do which we uh. did with the nightmare method is take something we love decide to make a pod about why we love it mm. spend time properly interrogating that yep. and then get to a point in the final episode of that podcast where you realize there's an in-joke yep. that is so unbelievably funny yep. that you could never have understood unless you properly went on the journey we went. And you'll go on that journey when you listen to The Nightmare Method whenever it comes Absolutely. Out. I was planning to do a spoiler for what made us cack ourselves, but no, let's like let's let's bury the lead. We got is that another good metaphor? I, well, I think, is it bury the lead when you open with this is what's happening? Uh, when you tease it, like yeah. today we're going to talk about a horror film so. and you're going to hear Shag's story about the dippity dip dip. All I right, think firstly, so. the horror I, I think so. Look, look, yeah, look. I mean, it's in the can, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> Put it in that can and listen to The Nightmare nightmare method soon or later or now but something else we've done in this creative weekend mm. is because we have had a chance mm. to create work in proximity to each other rather than you know weekly over zoom mm. is record are you gonna Spooko? say the instagram stories Jack's <laughs> <laughs> loving them but i'm also gonna say like peach you had an idea that it's like we should watch a horror film together. We've never done that before. Ugh. We did it. We had so many great suggestions. We chose Hell House LLC. Mm. We watched it together. And I think there was, speaking of the Instagram stories, mm. I took a video of you watching during a particularly tense part. Okay. Because I kept trying to capture this one thing you were doing and I couldn't capture it. Okay. Because someone wrote in and was like, oh, wow, Peach actually looks like he's dealing with this really well. And I was like, yes, except whenever things get tense, your right leg started twitching. Is that right? It started twitching and then it would build up to a crescendo where you'd then turn to me and be like, oh, okay, so this is no, a bit no, where there's yeah. going to be a jump scare. Okay. And you do that to break the tension. Yeah, yeah. I'd be too clever for the film, but I didn't realize the leg twitching at all. Because I was like, oh, ha, ha, we're all just watching a horror film. Oh, jump scares. They're just made up things. And, and I think if we come back to this potentially being a way to like confront horror versions, being too clever for the film and being like above the film, which which I of course don't consider that I am because I've never made a fucking film, <laughs> but sort of having that moment of like, mm. yeah, I know what's going to happen here, mm. uh, just sort of allows you to sort of firstly remind yourself that you're not watching real events. You're watching a sort of some actors standing around and messing around with some props. But the one other comment I wanted to make, just, just if you're raising a Hell House LLC in a genuine way, and I don't know, I, I don't want to hijack our meal prep intro too heavily. <laughs> but the one thing I did find interesting in the kind of meta watching of that film is, is like you are watching the story of like sort of bootstrapping a haunted house business by finding some props and trying to make it scary. And you're kind of doing a meta version of that, of watching a found footage film that they're trying to bootstrap by yeah. finding props and making yeah. it scary. Yeah. And I found it quite an interesting like meta experience to be like, oh, we're like, there's every chance that the solutions we're watching the characters find are actually solutions found by the filmmakers as well in making the film. I love that you are getting an opportunity to properly interrogate something beyond the Wikipedia synopsis. That's what I do love about it. Mm. I also didn't get a chance to talk about just like... It's tough making, because that's the other thing. It's yeah. like, yeah, a big part of Spooko is sometimes we have fun and we're like, ah, oh, yeah. this sucks or whatever, right? We know it's yeah. tough making stuff, right? Yeah. Like, it, you know, it takes work. It takes courage to put yourself out there. Yep. And the sequels to Hell House LLC, just like, 
Again, just just the, the quotes they've used in the Wikipedia of the reviews. So Hell House LLC 2, The Abaddon Hotel. Uh, bloody disgusting. The number one was The Abaddon Hotel. No, no, this one goes deeper into the fact that I think Andrew Tully was trying to open up a gate to hell. Okay. But I'm also sometimes so I'm like... That wasn't the interesting bit, I don't think. But also sometimes I'm like, what? Like, wh- what next? It's, it's a very, it's a very like, you know, sock fairies. Steel socks. Oh, yeah. Question don't, mark. Don't, don't question mark. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, open a gate to hell. Question mark. Best friends like, with Satan. Yeah, it's like, great. There we go. I did it. <laughs> like, this is the whole goal of Satanism. And, and for so long as we're debriefing, I did And also, comment. sorry, I should interrupt. Uh, Satanism is not devil worship. Satanism is worshiping yourself, not Satan. And it's not about hell. And yeah. And anyway, so sorry. Devil worship is what it is being is betrayed. Yeah, whereas, whereas Satan... Oh, sorry. Oh, Satanism yes. is, is sort of just self-determination, basically. Yeah, but it doesn't count as a religion because it's year 10 and shag. Like, I need to make you feel bad and it counts. Oh my God. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Just while we're on Hell House LLC, I should have commented like what we're talking about, the horrific misogynistic nature of the film that the film is completely uncritical about, right? It's not showing this fucking awful male gaze, retrograde, hateful treatment of women in a way to be like, isn't this bad? It's like, "Mm, it's horror. And the worst bit that I found the most confronting that I didn't get to was our female actor, whose name I've just forgotten, who is chained up with her arms above her head and yeah. locked. Yeah. The key to those changes is given to some other actor with the sort of briefing of like, don't worry, he's got the keys. And uh, so that's already super duper fucked, right? So she's in prison. Like she's, she's literally chained up mm-hmm. with one set of keys surrendered to someone else who she just met, you know, two weeks before who's a fellow actor. Then like when the performance is about to start, I'm like, all right, all the fans are waiting outside. We come and just cut her dress. So it's open and so we're seeing her bra and her underpants. Yeah, and then she just sort of giggles at the camera. Look, I, yes. I, and I, I sort of, because I, like, I just didn't even know how to process that. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, like what are we even, how is this part of horror? Like, and, and maybe now's not the time to go into it, but I just did just want to say, as an inexperienced horror watcher, I was like, this is the most fucked shit that I think I've seen. And I hope, like, like it sort of tickled some trope somewhere. And I imagine there are some tropes about it, but I was like, fuck this shit. And part of my horror aversion is fuck horror fans, right? It, like, you know, the cliche of them. And I am like, if you think that's cool, fuck you. And I think I'm pretty con- content to do that and say that. And so to the extent I'm like, hey, horror is a great culture and it's interesting to learn about it. Not all of it. And if you like shit like that, fuck you. Well, you will probably love then <laughs> the quotes they use to review the second and third. Because I guess my point is it's like, you've made this film, it's a success, it's like sick. I'm going to make a trilogy. Yep. Everyone's going to love this trilogy. Bloody Disgusting reviewed the second film, Hell House <laughs> LLC 2, The Abaddon Hotel, as a well-intentioned misstep. Which is so much worse than a bad review because it's like, you guys tried. And I can oh, see you can. It is worse, isn't it? Because it's like, I can see you did your best. And your best is well short of. It's, it's a pat on the head. And then the final oh. one goes, the third one, Hell House LLC 3, Lake of Fire. And again, like, th- even the titling framework is kind of wrong. Because Hell House LLC is a company. Yes. So if you're Hell House LLC 3... Lake of Fire, shouldn't that be like a sub-company or something? Like- well, well, Shaggy said an interesting <laughs> corporate law question, right? So if I can just refresh your memory as to where we got to. So Shag owns 50% of the shares in Spooko PTY Limited, or yep. if we're in America, Spooko LLC. Peach owns 50% of the shares in Spooko LLC. Spooko LLC borrows a million dollars 
and just doesn't pay the bank back. And the bank funds Shag to be like, hey, Shag, where's that million dollars? And you go, oh. So that yeah. sounds that doesn't sound like a me problem. That sounds like a Spooko problem. Yeah. Right? Then you and I both die. Feels like the bank's pretty naive there. The bank's like, I'm going <laughs> to... So the bank's likely to get you to guarantee Spooko LLC's yeah. debts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or in the alternative, provide a statement about Spooko LLC's financial position to be like, don't worry, it's the richest company ever and it owns all this shit. And we yeah. totally won't like... Transfer it away. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Just relax, Bank. <laughs> it's fine. Um, and so when we die, Spooko LLC will remain in existence. Yeah. And so the shareholder dispute we see in Hell House LLC might see all those shareholders dead, but the shares they own in the company Hell House LLC. Gotcha. Will be distributed pursuant to their wills. Gotcha. Wills so it doesn't matter that everyone died in the first one because yeah, Hell House LLC will still, live forever. It will live forever. Okay. All right. Well, that is. And that probably is. Hell House LLC owns the property. Oh my God. So that's why the second one's called the Abaddon Hotel. Because the first one's Hell House LLC, we're a company. The second one's now we're a company that owns a hotel because all our directors are dead. Yeah. Well, the shareholders. Yeah. And so the beneficiaries of the estate. Well, we don't know they were the shareholders. Oh, I'm making that assumption. Yeah, okay. But I, but I think it's like I think we assume at least some of them were the yeah, shareholders. Yeah, good point. Don't we? That like, well, they had a personal stake in it. They were like, "This needs to succeed." Yeah, we're here working our asses off to make this the best haunted house ever. Yeah, and and I, I don't feel like any. Of them I can't believe we're not even talking about this film in this in this episode today. <laughs> Anyway, look, I just want to talk about the this final one. This episode is Hell House LLC too. So the, the, the third film got the review. Mm. And again, it's a pat on the head. Yeah. An ambitious stab at closing out a horror trilogy. But as much as that's an accomplishment worth celebrating, the end result is an unfortunate disappointment. As much as trying is worth celebrating, you failed. I reviewed Australian rap music for a number <laughs> of years. And... Reviewing Australian rap music from about the year 2006 onwards involved some great high points. Like every time Earthboy put up, put out an album, it was such a relief to be able to say, oh, this is actually, <laughs> this is actually really good. <laughs> or when Spit Syndicate would put out an album, you'd be like, oh, yeah, like this is actually cool. But so many times you'd have to be like, yeah, look, great choice of beats. Really interesting beat choice from this rapper. <laughs> And well done them for like working hard and putting it. They made an album. So good on them. Like Anyone who makes an album yeah. deserves five I've, stars I've for never trying. made an album. And so good on them for making an album. And I just really think like thumbs up and good on them. And so I can really empathize with these reviewers of being like, look, you know, you try. But also that's about as far as my empathizing goes because fuck these idiots to make these films. So I, you know, I, I caught you. I was capturing you. I was watching you. I was sneaking glances at you being mm. scared. And I was like, you know what? For this next episode, mm. as we return to, because we like, I, I can't imagine the next opportunity we'll have to watch a horror film together. Uh, like 2025, like, oh, maybe. Gonna, like, this is a classic. We've got to do it again, sort of. Yeah. We will do it again. We will do it yeah, again we'll at do, some we'll, point. We'll meal prep some more. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll double check our schedule. Yeah, once, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but I wanted to share with you mm. the most recent film I saw. Mm. Thank you. That scared me to my core, to the point where I can't remember the last time this has happened. In fact, I don't know if this has ever happened in my scary movie watching career. I was home alone and it was nighttime. And I was like, what a gift to have time to myself. I'm going to use it to, you know, catch up on watching horror films. Yep. 
And I put this one on. So the, nice to have some self-care time. I'm going to use it to do work. Yep, yep, yeah. I'm with you. You, you know exactly yeah, where yeah, I'm coming yeah, from, yeah, right? Right, you. right, right. And Gordon knows where we're Gordon coming from. Gordon does. Gordon knows where we're coming from. Self-care's for losers. So self-care's for people who don't want to be great chefs. So, so, so I put on this film and maybe half an hour into it, and it was like, it's just, it's been a really windy spring so far in Australia. It feels like, like I, I'm sure every country feels like this, but especially in Australia, it feels like we're at the fucking front lines of climate change. Like, it does genuinely feel like, oh, fuck, what is happening? Yeah, bushfires for us, I think, are pretty, like, dramatic of, like, you'll have days, it's like, oh, great, the ground's covered in smoke and everything looks red. Yeah. And we should check out we're not living on a small Pacific Island privilege, so maybe we're on the second front line. Yeah, yeah, um, you're right, you're absolutely right. Climate we're not, change, you know, but, we're but not going to be... We feel it, we get but it. But we feel it, right? And so it was dark outside, mm. the wind was blowing. I live, I live in a... Like a small enough block that the trees we have basically touch our walls and windows. So if the wind is blowing heavily, those trees glance against the windows. Mm. And 30 minutes into this film, I'm watching it by myself and I was like, I can't keep watching this. Yes. I am terrified. I'm worried. I'm now worried about going to bed by myself. Yes. And I'm going to have to wait till the next morning to watch it. And so I did, and then I watched it. And I'm like, I love this. This is going to be like a, a like a spooko high point. This is a film where I'm like, I actually don't think you could watch this. Like I don't, and it's not even your. I, it's not. It's so interesting how sometimes a scary film can surprise you by its contents because this is not about some de- like someone's researched the 200 demons and found another yeah. cool one that's like. I'm the like I'm I've the... got four sets of wings. It's like, <laughs> oh shit, look out for this David. <laughs> it's not that. Yeah. It's actually fucking like this one's aliens. And okay. aliens shouldn't be as scary as this, but oh my god, when I watch this, I'm like, aliens are now the scariest thing you can possibly do. So Peach, today, today, mm. we are doing a 2023 American science fiction horror film mm. called Oh my god, and a great title, No One Will Save You. And titles are hard. And that's one of the best titles ever. Sick. I could watch that. Peach, like, and let me tell you, I honestly think it's one of the most terrifying films I've ever seen in my life. Whatever. I've seen Hell House LLC. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually pretty funny. I'm so glad that I didn't watch this with Adele because, like, we have a running joke where we don't have a lot of time for just, like, one-on-one couple time. Yeah. And whenever we're like, what should we watch? I'm always like, oh, I've heard about this film called, like, Blood deed. Blood, blood kill vibes. You know, yeah, like the disturbing story of Kid Killer the Clown. And I think this was one of those films where I was like, hey, maybe we should watch No One Will Save You. And she's like, we are not watching No And I'm, I'm really glad I decided to save this for myself. Especially ahead of a creativity camp weekend. Like, hey, all right, cool. Um, Peach and I are going away for a couple of days. And <laughs> have fun in the house, mate. Just so you're, yeah, yeah. Like, and okay, so this is a, this is a home invasion film. 
But it's also a gimmick film, and I'm so glad I didn't know about the gimmick beforehand. Sick. Kill you in your dreams or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, No, no. What I mean is... Sorry, I mean it. Oh, sorry, go, go, go. No, 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 no. What sorry, I mean... interrup- sorry, I keep interrupting. <laughs> no, what I mean is one of those films where it's like, this is the first film that was shot on two cameras or like was shot on a computer camera or something, right? Like, I don't care about that. Totally. So this film, I've only found out now that in its entire runtime of 93 minutes, there's five words of dialogue. But if I'd known that beforehand, I'd be like, I don't watch it. Yep. Like, fuck that. That sounds boring as hell. Yep, super Like, great. don't just... Don't like, even if it exists, like, just don't tell me. I just don't want to know. Don't make it a thing. It's like, can you believe it? It's like, oh, yeah, like, I, I really can, but I don't, like, I'm not interested. And it's always that thing where people innovate to a point where, like, we finally remove dialogue from films. Or it's almost like getting back to something we've covered on the nightmare method of, like, you're scrambling for something to claim, some, like, award to, like, yeah. hang your hat on to be like, this is the first film shot in the state of Maryland that doesn't include uh, IMAX cameras and instead includes IMAX 2.0 cameras or whatever. And it's like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> but now that I think of it, mm. probably a trope that exists since uh, the, probably exists since the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm. that feeling that there's no help coming from nice there's no there's no police waiting to arrive and save the day there's no hero coming like you are on your own Mm. and that's kind of what i love about the title it's both scary and evocative but it's a promise to the viewer Nice. like it's a promise to the viewer being like this is what's going to happen i'm always frustrated like we've given a couple of names to like spooko project horror films and whenever you hear a name like this i'm like oh fucking that's a great like I've heard people say that before. Why, like, why, why couldn't I conjure that as a name for a movie? But this is what I mean. Like, this is what, you know, and we've, I've spoken about this before. I think we spoke about this in The Nightmare Method, but it's like, I believe everyone has the capacity to be, to be creative. Yep. That does not mean creativity is easy. So the next book of films, like, you're going to get killed. Yeah, and which so, is, which is, which yeah. could be fine, yeah. but no one will save you. Yeah, that's better than you're going to get killed. Yeah, but it's just like it's same number of words. There aren't any weird words in No One Will Save You. No word more than four letters. (laughs) No one will save you. The same number of words in the title as there are in the film. Yeah. And like no one starts, sounds like you're saying number one. Other stuff. (laughs) You is also a letter. (laughs) This becomes text really easy. No one will save you. So you know what the director's password is for all their accounts. (laughs) This would, with an exclamation mark at the end. A lot of zeros, like (laughs) N zero. All right, so let's do this film. So it starts with Bryn, Mm. who is a seamstress. I, I like. Because there's no dialogue, I'm taking them for their word. Like, I think she does, like, so stuff. I, I don't know if you get to see emails being like, Bryn, waiting on this, uh, <laughs> yeah. this dress She's that we've been... She's sending out invoices for one, for one <laughs> But, like, an invoice, Bryn, seamstress, yeah. you know, two days, however much. I don't know how much... She's seamstress. incorporated seamstress, LLC. <laughs> seamstress, LLC. That would have been a less good name for this <laughs> film. Bryn, the seamstress, LLC. <laughs> So, okay, so she's a seamstress still living in her childhood home who mourns the loss of her mother, Sarah, and her best friend, Maud. So she's living alone. It's one of those big American country houses, you know, two stories. You know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about, right? I hugely do. Like massive, seeming, like big staircase in the foyer, 
seemingly like eight rooms or something. Yes, but it sort of seems like decrepit but generous as well. Yes. Generously proportioned. It's that, that weird contrast. Yeah, living near sort of like a lake in a town where there's like a road that's tree-lined, sort of maybe a one or two-lane road mm. where you can watch, you know, people delivering your mail in the, in the far distance. Yeah. Anyway, so she copes with these losses by constructing a model town in her living room. She leads a solitary existence and is shunned by the townspeople. Are we, are we in contemporary times? I sort of got a whisper of like it's the 1960s or something or, or are we sort of out of time? I got so confused, but I'm pretty sure it is in contemporary times. Mm. So, and there's a couple of things. So, I mean, like contemporary-ish. So, the thing that confuses it is, number one, she's a seamstress, and number two, she seems to be- With no clients. Like, I guess that is confusing. She's a seamstress with no clients. And she spends her time in this, like, giant house in the downstairs building this model town. Yeah. That I think through flashbacks, we know that she used to build with her mother. But her mother is no longer alive, so she was building it by herself. Yep. And there's a moment where she's sitting on the dock and she's writing a letter to someone called Maud that's like, you know, dear Maud. Dear Maud, I'll never my sister. Myself. Yeah, you've got to do the full, like yeah. you've got to give the pot. Dear Maud, you're yeah. my sister. You so died. so, so yes, there's no dialogue, but there's lots of here's some letters that <laughs> yeah, I'm writing. Yeah, nice. so, which kind of is dialogue yeah, really, yeah. when you think about it. So there's a moment where she sees someone deliver a package of, you know, some new stuff for a town, but like the, the UPS guy gets out and like basketball hoops, the, the box onto a, you know, onto like on, on next to a letterbox in a way to be like, no one respects her. Everyone's sort of against this woman. Mm. Um, I think there's also uh, that like there, there are other moments to be like, oh, wow. Yeah. No, no one likes Bryn. Anyway. One night, she awakens to like really crazy lights outside. Yep. And she walks out to the, she sleeps upstairs and she walks to the top of the balustrade and she notices something just running really, like inside running really fast downside, but like not at the bottom of the staircase, but like a, like a wall over. So in the kitchen. So okay. she can sort of see through like, like, I think like above the shelves, this thing, and you don't know what it is, just like run really fast and then stop behind a door and you can kind of make out what it is, but you can't quite really. Making a sort of alien sound, making a sort of like click, 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 click sound. And the director really cleverly just pauses here. And in fact, there's this line here says, one night she awakens to discover an intruder in her home and discovers it is a humanoid alien. This scene probably goes for like 20 minutes and it's 20 minutes of her very silently at her best trying to stay one step ahead. So while she's at the top of the stairs, she accidentally makes a creak on the floorboard. We see the alien who's clearly, you know, like we don't see it, but we see the outline of it who's in the kitchen investigating stop and indicate that it's making its way. So she slowly makes her way into the room and jumps on the bed and jumps to the other side of the bed. And then the door opens and we just see an outline in the background of this thing, just like walk in, walk in, walk in. And then she slowly slides herself under the bed and then it jumps on top of the bed and then it jumps in front of the bed and we see these two alien, alienoid feet. And it's like, 
it's so fucking scary. Anyway, so that, and that's not the end of it. So I think it jumps out the window. She goes downstairs to try and lock the doors and then it comes in and there's this like cat and mouse thing through the, the kitchen. kitchen and there's a moment where she's like hiding next to the fridge and it walks along and then she's exposed and it like slams open the fridge door. So she's stuck like, so the fridge door opens all the way. So she's stuck behind the fridge door. <clears throat> she's just waiting there. We hear it slowly creep up to her. We see these hands go over the top of the fridge, so these alien hands. And then we see a head just slowly peek up. And it's, it's, it's one of those like, it's a scarier version, but it's one of those classic like gray aliens. But these ones, they have very elongated limbs and they sort of spider walk. And it's very, very, very fucking creepy. Anyway. Spider walking is a really effective trope for me. Extremely effective. I, and I, I sort of don't know why. I think I do. I think actually like spiders walk really scarily. I think yeah. the reason why, one of the reasons why people are afraid of spiders is how they walk. Yeah. And if you translate that to a human, it's. Because they go zero to a hundred, like there's a speed, mm. like there's the acceleration, mm. I guess. They'd probably be more Yoshi in Mario Kart. <laughs> it, does Yoshi have good acceleration? Doesn't, doesn't Yoshi? Yeah, or do the or like baby, small baby or do the small characters have good acceleration but low top speed? I think that's right. I think that's right. So more of a more of a toad. Yeah, that's right. Whereas there, Mike Myers, Michael Myers, Mike Myers, fucking Michael Myers, Mike Myers is Bowser. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. So this scene keeps going, and eventually she's like running away from this thing, mm. and I think it manages to like. Stop her in her tracks because it has these things use telekinesis and it stops her and it spins her around in the air. But as it does, Bryn is holding like the tower from her model home. And here it says accidentally, it's like, I don't think it's clear whether I think she just tries to do something mm. and she swings at this alien. This thing gets in the side of its head. She's dropped and it falls to the ground. I'm sure there's a Simpsons joke of like, not in my one, not in my enchanted <laughs> side of my head, my, my one weakness. She covers it with a blanket and decides that she needs to get out as soon as possible. Mm. She soon discovers that all electrical devices and her car have been rendered useless since the alien's intrusion. Does she I, try a smartphone? Like, like, what does she try? Like, I'm still trying to place the time of this thing. Yeah, I'm trying to remember too. But I'm also like, and there's a lot of cars like pre-computer engines mm. still existing in the world. And I just, I think sometimes there's a, like I can understand like, a, a, like an EMP blast, which I don't understand how they work. But mm. my understanding is electrical things go down. Yeah, absolutely. But often there's a trope where it's like- My understanding is based on playing StarCraft 25 years ago. Exactly. But then, but then also there's that trope where aliens like, we've stopped all cars from working. It's like, oh shit, you used your car stopping right. <laughs> <laughs> so she discovers, yeah, so she discovers that all electrical devices and her car have been rendered useless since mm. the alien's intrusion and cycles into town, finding evidence of alien attacks on her neighbors. But the town appears unaffected. Yeah, so she goes to the next house and it's like a mess and there's shit everywhere. Mm. And she's like, oh fuck, it's happening. So she goes into town. She decides to make her way to the local police station. But there, Bryn unexpectedly encounters Maud's parents. So Maud is her I best friend. Maud was her sister. No, it's yeah, her best okay, friend. Sorry. But they were basically sisters, yeah, okay. right? Who happened to be the chief of police and his wife. And Maud's embittered mother spits in Bryn's face. Um, okay. Mm. That's really fucked. 
So Bryn then sees a bus and she's like, I'm going to flee the town by bus. But while she's on the bus, she's just sitting there. She's like, cool, I'm getting out, right? But remember the time. Yeah. Remember the time. Yes, I do. We see in the background, get killed. Yeah, we yeah. see in the background, a guy who's sitting at the back of the bus gets up, he goes out of shot and then he sits right behind her. And she's like, that's a bit weird, but okay. And then he starts doing like the clicking alien sounds. And she's like, fuck, I need to get off the bus. I need to get off the bus. So several passengers controlled by alien parasites start doing the spider thing, start climbing over the seats, attempt to restrain her. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Several passengers. So, so. But not all of them and not the bus driver. But sorry, we had to understand the aliens sort of inhabit a human body. What is, what are several? We find out that we find out that somehow people seem to get, yeah, possessed by these. So I might be possessed right here and I would appear as me. Well, no, you are. Because I'm I'm not, if I talk to you, I'd realize, okay, no. Oh, okay. There's something I'd be like, I'm yep. an alien. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sick. So they attempt to restrain her, but she escapes and discovers that many of the townspeople now appear to be under the alien's control. Mm. And like, remember, we're in the country, right? So she's just, run, like, she's now just running down country roads being like, where the, like, what do I do? Where the fuck do I go? And there's like- Is someone coming to save her? Well, well, I think there's an amazing moment where- she eventually runs to the church, notices Maud's grave, walks over, and like maybe her mom's grave or Maud's grave. She notices one of them, goes over to it, and then sees a whole bunch of people just staring with their hands up in the sky <clears throat> and like runs away, runs to a clearing, looks up, sort of clouds everywhere and notices these ominous clouds that are actually like giant, like spacecraft. Oh, so good. So she's like, I, I could watch this, couldn't I? Oh. No, for the tension parts. I'd be like, shag, shag, they're doing tension, shag. And, and it's 20 minutes of it. Yeah, like, okay. it was, un- like, keep in mind, like, I could- I couldn't watch this alone, actually. I, I don't think I've ever had this experience. Yeah, well. Like, ever in my life. Oh, okay. So, Bryn returns home and fortifies her house, because what else could she yep. do? And it's not a small house. So, you know, you're, like, nailing things against walls and pushing couches against doors, but it's nothing, it's never going to be foolproof. Mm. That evening, a tractor beam from the floor. So that evening, while she's in there, she notices like the door, like there's like there's like nails. She's nailed a board to the door. And as she's watching it, you notice, oh, there's something happening to the door. Like a light goes on, something starts shaking. And then the nails one by one go. Yeah, that's all really good. And again, good direction. The director's just like, I'm just going to let you watch every single one of these come out. Uh, I'm let you watch everyone. Yeah. The thing goes down and then giant tractor beam. And I love tractor beams in this because they're so like, once they're on, they're on. It's not like engaging tractor beam. It's like a giant light goes on. Everything within that light freezes in stasis and then they pull it out. So the whole thing freezes. And I think when it comes, like she has like a, she has like a book or something that she's running away from. And that book just gets like pinned to the back of the wall because this tractor beam is a giant spotlight. The alien that's underneath the, the blanket that she killed sort of, like levitates in the air and is sucked out of the room. And Bryn is forced to fend off two more alien intruders, impaling one with a broken mop handle and immolating the larger entity when its legs become entangled in her car and she ignites the gas tank. This is actually amazing because there's there's smaller ones and there's bigger ones. And the bigger ones have like even more elongated limbs. They are scary as hell. And it's chasing her and she runs into the, she like she runs into her car but then realizes it won't start. 
So she's like, I've got to get out the other side. She opens the door and the thing just like launches straight through the window. She gets out of the door onto the ground and the thing is like kind of stuck like with its head outside, with its legs outside one window and its head outside the other. It like impales its like scary shit through the bottom of the car, leaving an opening for like oil to be leaking. Yes. And so Bryn, who has a lighter, like lights it and the thing goes up, it explodes and she kills that alien. So she's, she's now killed three aliens. Sick. After she runs back into a house, another alien restrains her. So, and after she runs back into the house, finally, she gets caught in another tractor beam, yep. right? So now she's stuck and it raises her to the roof. So she's lying flat on the roof, looking down. And you are looking down with her as you see out of focus, an alien slowly walk underneath her. Slowly walk underneath her and then rise up right to her. Just rise up right in front of her. And then it takes this small little parasite, this little like wormy thing, holds it, well, no, holds it in front of her mouth. Her mouth is then telekinesically, telekinetically open. And so she's like, and this thing just climbs down her mouth. She falls into an intense hallucination in which she imagines her Maud is still alive, right? And, and she's like, Maud, you're still alive. Like she's in her house. She's wearing this like, old school dress Maud's wearing this old school dress she's still alive and Maud's like yeah and then Maud reaches a hand into her throat and pulls out the parasite which is when she wakes up and she realizes that she's outside in a field and she's pulled the parasite out herself so amazing right it's oh yes Bryn is the best a flying saucer arrives and transforms the parasite into a doppelganger of Bryn, which then pursues the real Bryn into the woods. Ugh. Again, another unbelievably like tense chase through this woods, but the doppelganger catches Bryn and stabs her, but Bryn kills it with a box cutter and escapes to a deserted road. There she encounters an immense alien, like the biggest one yet, before like she doesn't even really notice it's doing shit like they do these things that go click 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 and then finally a tractor beam goes over Bryn she's stuck it goes really close to her and she just gets sucked straight up into the sky she awakens in a it's basically like a black space but there are sort of like these three aliens just walking around her while she's just completely stuck in stasis just walking around her. Like, do we sort of get like scientist vibe of like, hmm, this is the human who killed three, I, four of Like, us. I guess so. I yeah, guess okay. so. Remember, there's no lines of dialogue. Yeah, okay. Although the aliens do talk a lot. And if... Click, click, click. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Perhaps it's super like alienist, super racist. It's super alienist. Yeah, like, to be like, there's no dialogue There's, there's no real dialogue in this oh, film. God, <laughs> it's such a colonizer mindset. We've got the lines of dialogue in films. So the three of them, the three aliens... No, hang on, we're the indigenous. Oh my gosh, white people get to be the indigenous people. There you go, right? There you go. So it's an anti-colonial, post-colonial mindset. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's sophisticated. Yeah, okay. So the three aliens touch her head at different points Mm. and she's immediately transported to, I guess, like it's almost like an exhibition of her past. She wanders around these different moments from her past that reveal when her and her mom used to make these houses together. Yes. And that was a happy moment. And then all of a sudden they freeze in light. And it's like, okay, that was a little bit. Yeah. Then we see- What she uh, did wrong. Well, yeah. So then we see the, the, mom, the mom and the dad of Maud mm. like basically breaking down over some sort of scene that we don't understand. Mm. 
And then we see her and Maud as kids having a fight in the woods. Maud pushes her over and Bryn's like, no, don't do it, don't do it. But obviously she can't stop anything. Mm. Um, we see Bryn pick up a rock, stand up and just like smack Maud on the side of the head like she did with the alien. Uh, what? And Maud falls down and we realize she accidentally killed Maud when she was a kid. Uh. I, again, like going back to your like beef, it's like, that's pretty fucked. A mom would spit on a kid. And I'm, I get, I, again, I agree it's fucked. Yeah. It, it, it complicates that. It explains it, I suppose. Yeah. 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 The aliens then converse with one another and appear to agree on a course of action. They return Bryn to Earth unharmed and free of their influence. Bryn is later shown living a happy life in her repaired home. The other residents of the town are under control of the aliens and in stark contrast with Bryn's life before the invasion, greet her warmly. That's a really interesting <laughs> Certainly, it's a net injustice for a horror film of like all these people have been had their wills overborne. It's a net injustice. It's also like what? Again, it always comes down to it's like I, you know, and I love the film. Mm. The, the ending didn't stand right with me because I'm like, okay, well, what was the aliens' purpose then? If they were going to orchid parts of a town, but if someone was too cool to take over, they'd be like, ah, oh, like real, recognize real. <laughs> real, 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 recognize real. It's like you killed a bunch. And that's the other thing. It's like, look, you killed enough of us yeah. for us to right the yeah, wrongs in like, your look, life. We respect that. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> we're from a like warrior alien. You know, it kind of feels like there's a real predator vibe to this. Of like it a feels real like predator vibe. When the predator this. sort of respects Arnie enough to be like, mm, yeah, okay, all right. Like, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Like, I see you. And the aliens being like, oh, well, you killed a few of us. And I guess that's what we get. Like, it's almost, yeah, there's almost like, yeah, well, you, like they were weak and you like removed weakness from our alien vibe. And so you get to live on in a, yeah, in fact, I can't quite get there. Just everything about it. Like when the aliens converse, it feels like there are hundreds of aliens on the craft all being like, let's, let's agree what to do with this humanoid. And it is still one of the best horror movies I've seen this year. Yeah. It's going into my top five. I loved it. I was so scared of it. It's a weird end. It's a very like, it's, it's that classic, how do we end this Black Mirror episode? Mm. Like we had a great premise. Turns out staplers are evil. Yeah. And it's like, and then how the fuck do we end it? It feels like that. Yeah. There's almost a, it's almost a slightly whimsical ending. Yes. Rather than a sort of grim ending. Yes. Of like, hey, we've all been taken over. Now we love you, Brynn. And it's like, oh, crazy <laughs> old Maud's mum. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Good <laughs> to see you. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, I think in the past we've said space isn't scary, which isn't strictly true, but but I think I'd stand by space not being the ideal location mm. for yep. a horror film. Yeah. I'm yep, sure yep. there are arguments to be raised against that. And then I think the line between sci like tense sci-fi and horror is sort of a fairly blurry one. But Chag, I was gripped by this one. There's mm. like a 70s edge to it with like mm. tractor beams and like body doubles, doppelgangers. There's like a 90s edge to it with the like aliens coming to research and kind of being curious about what's going on with the humans. Um, I, I haven't heard about a movie like this for a long time. It Maybe. gets my, now that I'm a horror expert, having watched <laughs> six horror films, it gets the peach seal of approval. Just don't watch it alone. da 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 Oh, wait, no. Don't listen to this episode alone. You'll never save you. you. <laughs> you'll, never, you'll never save you. Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?